Welcome to the Franchise Founders Podcast, where you'll hear right from the source how people like you have been able to buy and build their businesses across different industries all over the country. Dan Claps is the co-founder of Career Transition Leads, Nurture Assist, and Find a Business Online. Christian Dadalak is a franchise consultant with Find a Business Online, and he heads up business development for Career Transition Leads and Nurture Assist. He also runs an independent franchise consulting business, The Franchise Guys. Together, they formed relationships with hundreds of successful business owners who are excited to share their stories with you. Now, here are your hosts, Dan and Christian. Hey, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Franchise Founders Podcast. Today is uh, just me. No Dan Claps here today, but we do have an amazing guest who many of you have heard from before, our buddy Nick Lopez, uh, founder over at Line Painting. Nick, welcome to the Franchise Founders Podcast. Oh, let's go. Pumped to be on. Awesome, man. Super excited to have you here again. So I guess a a good place to start off because we have had you on before. But for those that maybe don't know you or didn't listen to that first episode with you, can you give us a little bit of a brief synopsis of what line painting is, where you came from, how you got into franchising and the like? Sure. Uh, I never thought I would be a painter. I start there. Um, but I was basically, uh, I was, I was a broke college kid and, uh, I was attending Michigan state, uh, out of state student from Denver and, uh, um, had a $2,000 bill hit me and you know, I had tapped out all my credit card options and, um, you know, I was wrestling. I was a preferred rest, uh, walk on my freshman year and, uh, you know, scholarship was a few years out. So, Thankfully, my wife now, mother of four kids, she loaned me the two grand um, and you know, I was able to stay in school and uh, started a paint company. As a result, uh, I looked at you know, really the bigger the house, the, the bigger the college bills, it would help me pay. Uh, that was my logic. Um, little did I know I was stumbling on our niche. Uh, I was sitting in a business class and learning about competitive advantage and reflecting on you know, here I am, 18, 19, uh, middle of 2008, 2009, middle of the Great Recession, uh, little to no experience, and yet I'm winning uh, business from national companies and local high-end options. And uh, I was hearing things from clients like, oh my gosh, thanks for showing up. Thanks for doing a good job. Thanks for answering your phone. And these were just such basic things. I was just trying to do right by others. And little did I know I was um, really shaking up the customer experience. Uh, you know, I even went to the extent of really vetting good quality products. And, um, you know, I looked at these nice homes as needing that, but that just wasn't the industry standard, um, and the customer experience. Um, and and so I started looking into national companies that were focused on high-end painting and there weren't any, um, and so I shared it with a mentor. He gave me a book called E-Myth Revisited by Michael Gerber. Great book. And that was about 12 years ago, middle of college. And that, that for me really gave vision to um, <clears throat> scaling, bringing this value to more markets through franchising. I never considered franchising. In fact, I never really knew much about it and the, the, you know, how special it is. Um, but right up front, what I loved was this idea of being in business with other business owners. Right. I mean, that's just such a unique concept that, you know, living it out now is, you know, ah, so gratifying and exciting in a lot of different ways. But the idea of it was just as exciting enough to, to really get me um, motivated to 
you know, pursue expanding through franchising. And at the core of it, right, is systems, process, roles, and, uh, you know, scaling in a way where you can work on the business, not in it, as uh, Michael Gerber talks about in his book. Um, and so that really gave me the direction that uh, I needed uh, to start uh, applying my business degree, my sales degree uh, into the business, the remaining time I had, um, and uh, to do it with um, the intent to, to, to work on the business, not in it, and to have those systems, those processes, um, and those roles to create a reliable and consistent quality paint service for uh, homeowners, uh, really custom property owners. We do a lot more than just uh, you know, residential. We're doing commercial as well. Uh, we're doing interior, exterior, and we're doing a lot more than just painting. Uh, we look at paint as a type of coating, right? And it's one of many different coatings. And so when you look at a high-end property, whether it's commercial or a home, you know, there's a lot of surfaces and each surface is expensive. They deteriorate from sun and water damage. And each surface has its own coating, a stucco coating, a metal coating, a stamped concrete masonry coating, painted. Uh, clearly, paint is a type of coating that goes on uh, painted surfaces. But you have all these surfaces coming together that deteriorate from sun and water. And, you know, for, for us to really do a good job painting, we had to take that approach uh, because that's what a high-end property needs. It needs uh, coatings for all of the surfaces. And then, you know, we can't just smack coatings on surfaces. We have to use high-grade coatings. And we also need to be able to restore those surfaces so that those products will properly, um, you know, live out their life. So that, that is our niche in the market. And uh, our franchise opportunity is the systems, the process, the support, the training, everything that goes into um, that two-way dynamic of being in business uh, together. Absolutely. I love what you said about competitive advantage and having a unique selling proposition, finding your niche. Because I think that, look, there's, there's plenty of painting franchises out there and uh, there's plenty of good ones too. But the reason I really like Lime as a model is because you do focus on those higher end homes, which ends up being a, a larger average job size for the franchise owner. And I think that that is just a huge differentiator for a franchise candidate, a potential franchisee that's thinking about getting into business, because that's one of the things that we look for as consultants. I want to make sure I'm showing a franchise model that really does have a strong differentiator in the way that they do business or the market that they're targeting. And I really think that Lime hits that in such a great way. Uh, one thing I wanted to ask you too, because I don't think we touched on this last time you came on to the podcast, but LIME is an acronym. So what does that stand for? Mm -hmm. Can you talk a little bit about the values of the company as well? Yeah, I'd, lo yeah, I'd love to. Um, uh, yeah, LIME stands for love, integrity, mission, and excellence. Um, so, you know, it's, it's really the way in which we go about every day, right? Um, you know, we very much are a, a servant-based organization, um, you know, amongst the corporate team, corporate team to franchise owners, uh, franchise owners amongst each other, their teams, um, and, then, and then that extension out to the community and, and customers. Um, but that is an intentional way of doing business. Um, and it takes effort and intentionality and focus. Um, but yeah, that, you know, no better way to create that focus than you know, an acronym for our name. And it's right there on, you know, all of our cruise t-shirts, you know, love, integrity, mission, excellence, 
um, so that no one forgets uh, what we stand for and, and how we do business, how we treat each other. Um, yeah. You said a word there, intention, which I love because you don't get to where, where you've gone, where Lime has gotten, where a lot of your franchise owners have gotten without being intentional in the way that you do business from every, every aspect of running the business, from the way that you greet customers, from the way that you uh, target customers and make introductions and the, the way that you get the job done and the way you get it done right. All of that is critical. And so I just think that it's a testament. One thing that I think is underlooked and, uh, and undervalued when a lot of franchise candidates are thinking about a business that could be a good fit for them is thinking about cultural fit and what the values of the organization are. You really have to make sure that the values of the organization really do align with, with your own. And I think that yours, yours at Lime and the, the acronym being the, the, the values of the company, I think is just so fantastic. And I think a lot of people really would appreciate that. So I did want to touch on that. Um, but yeah, man, so it's been a little while since we last had you on. And so obviously I'm sure there's some updates with Lime and some, some big news and different things going on. So what's the 411, man? What's, what's the new stuff going on? Yeah. Um, oh my gosh, if, if I could hit on anything, it would be our leadership team. Just uh, really taking form and um, in full stride. It's, uh, it's, it's exciting to see. And uh, it's directly, uh, you know, showing through in uh, the feedback from franchise owners. Uh, we just did a, a really in-depth survey. I'm not sure if you've ever heard of uh, Franchise Business Review, um, yes. FBR, but they, um, they, they, they uh, polled all of our owners. And I was really concerned because they asked questions like, you know, would you, would you do it again if you could? And would you recommend Lime? And um, oh my gosh, we just had, we just scored off the charts and, uh, we don't know what awards we've won yet, but it was just really nice to have that validation, um, you, you know, across the board. And, um, it, that's a, that's a testament to our team. And, and that's the point I'm making. Um, it, it's, uh, uh, it's, it's one thing for me, the last time I'm on, uh, to have, uh, you know, myself and uh, a handful of other key individuals supporting our owners. Um, but now to have, you know, a team of 12 and, um, you know, every single department at Lyme to be defined and, uh, and uh, you know, now they're starting to uh, employ folks uh, below them. And that is just a lot of support for, um, you know, what do we have, 33 owners right now? Uh, we have, you know, 70 locations and um, about 45 or so of those are open. Um, and, and uh, uh, you know, you have 12 folks uh, supporting them from all the way from building proposals and doing pricing uh, to helping them initially with recruiting their sales folks, onboarding their initial subcontractors. Um, like we are doing these things for them and putting a lot of science around it. Uh, I shouldn't say forum, but with them and forum with them with the intent uh, to train them to do it themselves. But as I tell our owners all the time when they're new or thinking about coming on board with Lime, I kind of compare it to you know, going out fishing and you, know, you don't know what you're doing. You've never fished before. And uh, you, know, you go with a guided tour or a guide and 
oh my gosh, they make it look so easy. They're like the wind is going this way. Uh, it's this time of day, which means the fish are hungry or not hungry. And uh, they're eating this particular type of insect. And this is the right way to tie it. And here's how we want to cast it and exactly where you want to drop it. And oh, this is, these are all the small nuanced techniques and they can do it so fast, so efficient, and they can catch fish. Um, and, and yet, you know, here you are new, you can barely even stand in the water without falling over. Right. And um, so, but over time, the more you go out with that guide, the more you learn how to tie the, the line and, and cast and read what time of day and everything else that goes into the science of, of catching fish. Before you know it, you're catching fish. And you're helping that angler that, you know, was once so advanced, you're now working together and you're getting way more done together, being way more efficient. There's two folks involved. I compare that to franchising so much. You know, our owners are so talented and they come on board um, and, you know, you have this, uh, wow, what an amazing opportunity to start building and dictating your future, building your empire, creating a legacy and an asset. That's, that's empowering, right? And all you, all you want to do is jump right in and get after it. But experience is a big thing. And doing it the right way is a big thing. So you know, the systems, the process, um, being very tight around the onboarding process and how we launch um, and, and, and the team through every phase of that launch departmentally being aligned with our owners our owners even take profile tests where we know how they learn how they perform and um, we do that to better understand and support for who they are uh, versus trying to get them to act out of character for a certain period of time which just makes us tired faster right so we're going to support our owners for who they are um, with the understanding of that guided tour, right? That angler that knows what he's doing and the angler that could barely stand in the water, but is still super talented and, and, and paid for the angler to take him out, right? So um, that is like the core of um, this mutual respect and collaboration between, um, you know, this new relationship uh, all these skills and, and, and um, freedoms that come with, with business ownership and who our new business owners are, but yet this concrete, definitive science and way about going and doing something. Um, I uh, was just talking to a potential new owner a little while ago. I was telling him that, hey, why would you want to go and uh, learn how to catch the fish? That's painful. It's going to take a lot of time right? Versus I'm going to learn how to catch the fish and I'm going to get good at the technique for how to catch the fish. And I'm not going to know anything different. I'm just going to know how to learn how to catch the fish. And then I catch fish. Um, and then from there, when you're good at catching a lot of fish, that then gives you the freedom, independence, lifestyle, platform, influence, everything you look for in a business. Um, but uh, yeah, it doesn't even necessarily have to be that the, the, what the franchise does is something that you are passionate about. Like at the beginning of our conversation, I never thought I would be a painter. Um, but uh, you still can 
utilize that service, that product as a way to fortify exactly what I just said, all the things you want from a business. And guess what? If you get everything you want, you can become passionate and fall in love with that product service as well. Um, right. Plus the, everything that goes into the business. Um, so you say, okay, well, what are some new developments? Right. And I would say just this science, this magic, right. Getting owners opened and getting them to um, realizing their dream and why they looked into Lyme and franchising in the first place. Um, you know, I, for, for a long time, I've had a hundred locations on my phone uh, since about 2016. When I first joined the IFA, I, I joined the IFA and I just learned about franchising for a couple of years before I onboarded our first owners in 2018. And onboard our first owners, 2018 had seven owners, we didn't start scaling until August of 2020. We want to get all the bottlenecks figured out. But going all the way back to that time at the IFA, you know, writing the 100 locations, writing it, thinking about it is a lot different than knocking on the door and having 45 locations open and um, you know, owners surveying through franchise business review and we're rolling out our, our new FDD, which um, has a lot more owners uh, in our item 19 and their numbers and the trends for year one, year two, year three, AUVs. Um, but you know, all that stuff starts coming together, coming to life. Um, and you know, we're almost at that 100 location mark. Um, you say, okay, what's different? I say, wow, well, that, that journey. Hmm. Right. And, and now as the same owner I was talking to, I said, Hey, look, our last four owners were they, that were at uh, decision day, they all had neighboring owners. Um, this gentleman happens to be in a market that doesn't have any neighboring owners, but that's where we're at right now. It, you know, we still have a lot of locations that are in key markets. Like this call was Boston right? And great market, clearly across the country, one of the top markets you'd circle, right? right. Um, uh, but, uh, but yet a lot of our markets that are key are not available. So um, it's, it's just a, kind of that, that pivotal point where, um, you know, key, key territories are going, but uh, we're getting a lot of um, neighboring owners as well, which is good for many reasons. Once owners realize it's good. <laughs> right. Um, yeah. So yeah, Christian, I don't know if that answers your question, but yeah. No, I think that was, that was fantastic. And it's funny, you, you touched on something you said, you don't have to be passionate about the business. And I'm definitely in the camp that thinks you don't need to be passionate about something going mm -hmm. into it. You can learn to become passionate. You can, you don't start off having a passion for painting necessarily, but can you become passionate about owning, running a painting business? seeing the lives of your team change, seeing your fellow franchisees kick butt, being a part of a team, something bigger than yourself, yep. being a part of a good culture, all of those things you can get passionate about. Seeing for the customer and the client, the way that they smile when they look at their, their freshly painted uh, home that just has a, a totally different feel to it. And, and not just the paint, but everything else you do. You guys offer so many different types of services and I think that's something that a lot of people can get excited about. So I'm definitely of the mindset that passion is overrated, but not that it's overrated, but that you don't necessarily need it going in. It's something that can be learned and it's something that can bloom and blossom like a flower. 
And I think that that is just, it's just such a, a critical thing for people to realize because a lot of people might think, I want to own a yoga business, so I should start a yoga franchise. Well, if you like yoga, that's a lot different than running a yoga business. It is a business. You're not doing yoga every day. You're not teaching yoga. You're doing the back end stuff and managing a team and growing and scaling and finding that location, looking for the next one. So it's a lot different. So I would encourage people to think about and keep an open mind when you're exploring different franchise opportunities, because you never know what ultimately could be a really great fit. So with, with that said, I, I did want to ask a little bit about, I know that before we, we hopped on the podcast here, we were talking about some of these success stories for some of your franchisees. And obviously we have to be, we have to be careful with some of the specific numbers we share. Obviously franchising is regulated by the federal trade commission, but with all that said, I mean, can you share some of the stories about some of your, your, what your franchisees are doing right now? Because it sounds like many of them are just absolutely hitting it out of the park. Um, it, yes, their, uh, <clears throat> their first 90, 120 days, right. Uh, we've, we've seen some incredible, you know, records at Lyme and you know, our average ticket is 10 grand. Um, that's our average ticket, which is three times higher than the industry average. Um, so it's, it's been neat to see what the business is capable of. Um, clearly we're founded in Denver and, um, you know, it's, uh, I think it's just a testament to um, getting the business in other markets, right? Yeah. Absolutely. Proves the model for sure, right? Yeah. yeah. There's, there's some pretty big jobs, it sounds like you guys are getting. Yeah. Uh, uh, commercial, residential, you know, when you're working on a 10,000 square foot home and you're not just doing the painting. Uh, you're doing the stucco coatings, you're doing the stamped concrete coatings, you're replacing the gutters um, in all the, the um, accented stonework, you're sealing it all. My sales guys sometimes joke, you know, they're also putting a clear coat sealer on the trees as well. <laughs> but um, yeah, if, if there's any surface on these estates, my goodness, um, like in, you know, one of these uh, projects that is, is just a a new first-time record. I don't know if it'll ever be taken down. Actually, I'm, it probably will. But uh, <laughs> uh, just looking at the estate, it's like not even a house. It's a compound. I, it's unfathomable. Um, but you know, just this beautiful property. And we're doing a lot more than just paint. We're, we're covering every surface that's deteriorating from sun and water damage. Um, and I, you, know, you, you go back to um, the system, the process, you know, respin, it's our proprietary sales process. It's, it, uh, it, um, you know, every letter is an acronym and, you know, that acronym is just that framework for how they go about doing their presentation, the consultation. And, uh, it's all about establishing expertise and helping a client, uh, understand their home train their eye to see it the way that we do the sun and water damage on every surface initially a client just thinks that it's old right they don't realize that actually it's depreciating it's deteriorating and um, so now when our uh, salesperson leaves or as we call them visual reality consultants our vrcs now our vrc leaves after doing a vrc and that client, every time they pull into their driveway, they go out to the mailbox, they're out on the back patio, uh, they're out in the garage, their eye sees their home 
for the, the need and the deterioration that's there. Um, and guess what? They go out into the marketplace and they vet. They do their homework. We subscribe to the no close close. We're not there trying to hard sell a client. We're educating them. They do their due diligence. In that process of due diligence, they're calling other local high-end paint companies. That painter is coming and saying, we don't do gutters. You got to call a gutter company. We don't do stamped concrete. We don't do metal coatings. You got to call a powder coat company. We don't do the stucco. You need to call the stucco company. And uh, we used to be there. I, I used to do the same thing. I, we did painting. We did painting great, right? But we didn't do those other surfaces. Those other, those other surfaces that are really needed as well. Um, and, and so now that client is uh, not only being reminded of the need to take action because their eye can see it, their home's a reminder, but um, they also are getting validation from the market that, wow, what Lime is doing is very unique. And they're providing me a turnkey advisor, a VRC, that's not only my initial consultant, but is my account manager throughout the whole project. A consumer fear is like, look, I met with a sales guy. Then the field people came out. I didn't, I, I didn't know if they were doing the job right and what was going on. I don't, I'm not an expert. So frankly, I'm not sure about, you know, the quality of the work and everything else. So it's important for us to be an account manager and manage that process all the way through and have the quality control for the client. So uh, they have the account management, the quality control, uh, highly vetted solutions, and then vendors in the market that are, uh, you know, artisans, we're vetting for artisans. And that client to get that would otherwise have to piecemeal all of that and be a GC for all those projects. So we're just seeing this niche in the model or this niche in the market play out. And um, as a result, it's creating some pretty cool momentum and uh, um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's all backed in our sales process, right? Whether it's New Jersey, um, it's LA, it's Austin, everybody is um, executing on Respin. And, you know, we have all the leading, uh, you know, indicators, those KPIs within Respin and VRCs that you know, we really want to focus on and help um, you know, as you're going through those business stages, clearly we have those KPI milestones to be able to certify um, and train and support um, around how we are methodically, um, you know, teaching the Lime way. I love that. It's funny because a lot of people, I think, when they think, oh, it's a painting franchise or a painting company or a painting business, they're, they're all the same. I think after listening to you for the past couple of minutes, talk about the way that you do business is vastly different from not just the mom and pops, but a lot of other painting franchises as well. And so not every franchise, not every painting mm -hmm. company is created equal guys. So that's why it's important to really do your homework and to make sure you're partnering with a company that really does business in a way that's congruent with your values in the way that, in, and in a way that's good and right and makes sense for the consumer is comfortable for the consumer and is attractive to the consumer because i think that that's fantastic and the the amount of services that you guys offer i mean lime is a one-stop shop it sounds like and and ultimately what that does is contributes to the larger average job size and helps again to separate you from a lot of the competition so you guys really do have a, a very very compelling and strong differentiator 
And one of those differentiators as well that I find interesting is you, you mentioned earlier that you help franchisees find their salespeople, uh, onboard subcontractors. And one of that, that really solves it. One big question that a lot of new franchisees have or potential franchisees will have is, you know, they're always asking, Hey, where do I get my customers? And we can touch on that in a moment, but they're also asking, where am I going to find my people? How do I find good people? How do I retain them? Subcontractors? What does that look like? So can you touch on that and the level of support that you provide there for a newer franchisee? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, we uh, um, uh, are going to provide all of the uh, virtual training, in-person training, and then uh, an actual support person that can hands-on, um, you know, do for with, right, with the intent to, to then be able to do independently. Um, but yeah, whether it's recruiting our VRCs, again, our... our um, our owners super talented, but have never recruited an entry-level salesperson for a high-end paint company. I mean, that is uh, daunting in itself, right? It can be. Um, and, and so uh, much like that angler, right? It, taking the approach um, with recruiting of our onboarding specialists, uh, um, being an absolute master at the Limeway for recruiting. Uh, we've, we've even gone to the extent of, um, you know, backing it with science, right? So we work with a profiling tool, personality test. We have tailored the job descriptions to deter the profiles that we don't want, hmm. right? And attract the profiles that we do. So now as we're nationally recruiting um, and we're getting these results back, uh, we can tell our owners and they can see themselves, where that profile ranks, where the strengths and, you know, who this person is and really make a decision. Is this somebody I want to work with? Right. If they're not an ideal profile home run, it's like, okay, well now I need to consider the actual traits because clearly I met with the person. I like them, I'm betting them, but here's the science. Now I can really have something objective to help me in my due diligence as I build my team. And clearly patience is important here. Right. I mean, there's a lot of pressure to hire, but you're just hiring. Like every business in the world hires, right? So our team to be able to say, look, this, this, uh, this, is, this, this is the data, the objective data, right? Now make an educated decision and it doesn't have to be, you know, based on pressure and, and out of, uh, you know, having to do it. Rather, it's um, more science-based, right? And, and then we really, we really lean on the, the way that we do things differently from a subcontractor standpoint. Um, again, that is the same approach, hands-on, um, you know, um, and, uh, but with our subs, much like homeowners, they're experiencing pain in the market. And what is that pain for a sub? Oh my gosh, if I don't have a job, that if I don't have jobs or I'm off for a week because I don't have a job, my, my crew doesn't have a paycheck. Guess what they're doing? Looking for another job. There's pressure to find work as a subcontractor, right? Because my guys are going to quit. So we provide consistent work. The other pain point, um, look, I've been trying to get paid and it's, it's taken forever. And then I finally get paid and I didn't show up one day. The homeowner complained about this. 
the, the contractor gave me a $300 haircut, right? I got paid late and I got a haircut. Um, and um, you know, doing those basic things for a sub in the market gives them a tremendous amount of value. Um, and then our clients are uh, clearly contracting us to do the job right. They want to pay more to get more. And as a result, we can, we can recruit artisans and pay them well. So we pay them well, we give them consistent work, and we pay them on time. You do those basic things, oh my gosh, I've worked with contractors in my locations since I, like for almost a decade. Um, and it's, it is on the fabric of what I just mentioned. But then who would have thought shaking hands, walking uh, painters in the eye, treating them like people, loving on them, treating them with love, integrity, mission, and setting them up to do excellent work, right? Doing excellent work. My gosh, that is a special, you know, uh, experience for even a painter, right? That is going to create long-term, that is going to create a long-term partnership. Um, the, the way we treat our partners, our, our um, subcontractors, pay them on time, give them consistent work and um, pay more, right? It's very basic. And, and so between those two things, like recruiting subcontractors, um, I think that context helps. The other thing I would share is we need one salesperson per territory. Uh, so if you have four territories, four salespeople, three territories, three. Um, and, and then uh, we look at each sub crew is being able to do 200,000 in production. Um, so how many crews are you going to need year one? Mm. Right. If you have a $500,000 business, you have a $200,000 business, a million dollar business, whatever it is, do the math. Either way, you know, it's two to five crews. And um, it, some variants of that, right? But that is a lot more practical, that, that's tangible versus, oh my gosh, subcontractors and in, in like this whole vague world of, but really it's very practical. And we help our owners, we go to their market and we help them onboard their first two uh, subcontractors. And um, uh, oh, that's huge. Why? I mean, my gosh, they can start their season. Exactly. You don't have to worry about where you're yeah. going to find those people. So you all help with that, mm -hmm. which I think is fantastic. That's mm -hmm. huge. It really is huge. I mean, that's, that's a, a tremendous amount of value right there. Uh, the other thing I wanted to touch on too is a question that I'm asked frequently when I'm working with candidates is, so where am I going to get my customers from? So how does that work with Lime and what's the method there and how does that work? And can you touch on that at all? Oh, yeah. Um, so our uh, director of marketing, uh, she's done a tremendous job, her and her team, creating a lot of assets, done for you assets, the whole marketing mix, um, you know, traditional marketing mix, whether it's mailers, um, home and garden, even your recruiting booths, um, whatever it is, turnkey assets that line up with our annual marketing calendar so clearly promotions change and everything else um but you know all that done for you uh and then if you're doing anything custom 
like, uh, you know, you're putting ads in a golf magazine, something to that extent. Our team does all that ad creation for you, right? That's all done for you. And, and then uh, uh, we have uh, digital marketing partners that uh, help from a digital marketing standpoint, SEO standpoint. Um, and, uh, and, and so full marketing mix, we require $1,500 per month for digital marketing spend, and then $500 for local advertising, that's $2,000 minimum uh, per month. And uh, that, that is all, you know, great, right? That, that's so important. And, uh, it, but uh, again, our differentiators, our sales uh, culture, uh, we recruit and build a culture of, of uh, in the field sales reps. And um, there is no better way to get a quality lead than to know that this whole subdivision is $2 million homes plus, go into the neighborhood, look at each home and say, sun and water damage on these surfaces, landscaping's in good shape, great vehicle in the front yard. This is a great potential they could use our service. Our sales folks um, go through our uh, go through Lime Elite Academy. They come to boot camp for a week in Denver. Um, they learn our door to door process. Um, again, no matter where you're at in the country, our folks are doing the same door to door pitch with all the same rebuttals. Um, boot camp's really neat. By day one to you know by Monday to Friday. Uh, folks go from barely getting it out to uh, just being ninjas and, you know, all the way from body language, eye contact, tone, demeanor, all that nonverbal to the transitions. And um, it's definitely the lime way, our, our door pitch, but um, it is complimentary to uh, paid advertising. It is like gasoline on the fire. Um, and, and so uh, no matter what, you only have so much spend. And no matter what, you only get so many conversions. Um, this gives you a way to um, bypass, you know, if you're launching into a new market, no matter what, it's a new spend. It takes time to build up, takes time to get momentum. And then it does. And it, you know, and, and so by having a sales force that's outbound, it's going gonna, it's gonna to complement that process and uh, get you through initially when you're breaking in budget-wise and spend and results. And then it's going to be uh, um, really complimentary once you're humming along in the market. So. Absolutely. It's funny. Back in the day, I used to do door-to-door sales. And I, look, man, it works. And I know what a lot of people in the audience are probably thinking, man, does that really work for those upper-end homes? Don't they just tell you to go away? And that's yeah. probably not the case at all. Obviously, I mean, it's a oh my gosh, <laughs> you would exactly you would be shocked. Um, and the reason being is you have a clean cut, well spoken, someone who knows what they're talking about. The pitch is very intentional around creating expertise, much like our VRC. The buzzwords we train on them, training the eye, we train on it. Uh, our academy, when you're a VRC, when you're certified, you've gone through our academy. Um, the amount of knowledge you know compared to a homeowner, even a very well-educated homeowner, it's incredible. Um, so really the framework of our door pitch and our VRC sets up our, our um, sales folks to excel in, in those 
situations, right? Even if, even if they have zero years experience, which most of our sales folks do, even if they have zero credibility in the market. Why? Because it's face-to-face -face human interaction and there's something special about someone, clean cut, good hygiene, well-spoken. They're not pushy. Again, we're no close, close um, approach. And, but we have really good rebuttals. So, and it, so we're able to keep somebody at the door and through a lot of logic and good points, um, re-ask more times than not, the person says no the first time in a nice way, like, hey, can I call you on this number? We have a process for how we get them past that and into building more value and then re-asking. And, oh my gosh, it, it's just about the numbers. You have a conversion, 13%. You just, you hit your numbers, you get your leads. You know, you go this to so many doors. Yeah, you do your thing. And, um, but the, the great thing is that when you have uh, a project going on, in a high-end neighborhood and you have all of our lime green signs and t-shirts, the vehicle. I mean, you can see our job site from space. <laughs> <laughs> the neighbors know that Susie's doing a job, right? Keeping up with the Joneses. Plus they understand that, oh my gosh, now my asset, right? I, there's also that part and you keep their asset up. Um, and it just aesthetically looks great. So now when our trained salesperson is taking advantage of that job site, utilizing it as a sales tool. They go over, there's no better sales tool than that job to be able to say, we're working with, with Susie. Um, notice XYZ on your home. Can I give you a quote? Absolutely. What a great the, strategy. The power of compounding is, is incredible. And we really want to leverage that. Uh, when I was in college, I was sitting in a neighborhood and I was looking down two streets and I'm like, oh, we've done so much work in here and no credit. Like, you know, we just wore white Sherwin-Williams shirts. And I'm um, like, if there was a color, even if people didn't know what our name was, you're just like, oh, the purple guy's paint, right? Um, and I went to Michigan State, green, lime. You know, you can see it from space, lime painting. The name lime painting came from this very... Um, process here, uh, you know, utilizing a job site as a sales tool. Um, it's, it's a very powerful thing, especially in our demographic where people trust the vendors in their neighborhood, right? If you're working for Susie, like, oh, you know, they, they, um, so yeah, being intentional about that and uh, re really leveraging uh, the marketing opportunity. Yeah. That's such a fantastic strategy. And obviously it works. I mean, I know it works having come from door-to-door -door sales in my past where I used to sell T-Mobile business to business, but then direct TV and internet door-to-door -door mm -hmm. residential. Yeah. So I get it. And it, look, it works. And I'm sure your strategy works a hell of a lot better than what ours, <laughs> how ours did and our pitch and all of that. But, but still, the, the numbers that your franchisees are putting up on the board, scoreboard matters. Mm -hmm. And yeah. the numbers that you guys are all putting up there are absolutely phenomenal. And it's so awesome to hear about the success there. So obviously the strategy works. And one last question for you before we wrap up here. I know we've been talking for a little bit, but I, this mm -hmm. is such a great conversation is where do you see the future of the painting industry going? And obviously home services right now within the franchise space is super, super hot, but where do you see the trend going and where do you see the, the industry going as a whole moving forward? Yeah, I, I really see home service um, starting to become more and more uh, of a go-to employment option. 
right? For a long time, blue collar opportunity, eh, you know, but you're getting more and more white collar sophistication in the blue collar space. Mm-hmm. And, you know, just for example, in our sales role, we have a three years to six figures program, right? Three, year, three years, six figures. Um, and a lot of folks are beating that, right? So, um, yeah, and, and uh, in, in first year doing it um, in some cases, uh, that is an opportunity where, you know, I just hired somebody, I've hired so many folks right out of, right out of uh, college. They come in and uh, they get exposure to a, a state-of-the-art sales program. And this is just one of many other opportunities in the market where you're combining white collar, blue collar sophistication. Um, and, and so I see the industry, um, you know, clearly it's shown that whether it was 2008, 2009 or the pandemic, um, you know, it's, the home service industry is just a consistent, r- reliable, conservative space, right? Um, but it hasn't been as sexy. And I think that's going to change. And that's the point I'm making. And Lime is, is definitely pioneering that. And that's one of our, our big focuses is making contracting cool and doing it through our sales role and changing lives through that process. And the way in which we change those lives, uh, we, we hope that we make contracting a little bit cooler, right? That's so yeah. cool, man. A couple of things, white collar sophistication in a blue collar business, making contracting cool. I, I love that, man. That's super, that's super interesting. What a great way to phrase it. And I, I do agree with that too. A lot of people that are from white collar world, corporate executives, people from corporate this or that, and they're getting into a lot of these home services, traditionally blue collar type businesses. But again, you're not the one doing the painting, you're leading a team, you're building a culture, you're, you're managing a sales force and you're getting out there and getting after it. And and uh, breaking some records and putting some huge numbers up on the scoreboard, man. So let's go, uh, let's go, let's go, man. So, uh, dude, it was such a nice opportunity to speak to you again here today. I know that there was a tremendous amount of value here for a lot of the audience. So it's always great to speak to a true franchise founder. So thanks for coming on, man. Really appreciate it. Uh, happy to be on the franchise founders podcast. Love it, man. Well, thanks everyone for tuning in to another episode of the franchise founders podcast. If you got any value out of this at all, we'd appreciate it if you would subscribe, uh, share it with your friends, let us know, and leave us an honest review. Let us know what you thought about it, and uh, we will see you next time on the next episode of the Franchise Founders Podcast. Take care, everyone. Yeah.